Dr. Stephen Poulter, welcome to the show up, Dan. I'm so glad. It's an honor to have you on here, brother. I've been trying to reach out to you and finally connected. So uh, if I can just uh, have you just give us a brief rundown of what you are or who you are, what you do, and how you came to be, brother. Uh, well, David, it's a pleasure. And I mean that sincerely. You know, it's great to get uh, in with uh, young dads like yourself who are trying to make a difference. You are making, you're not trying, you are making a difference. And I'm a clinical psychologist. And what got me involved with being a dad was my, I grew up in here in the late 70s, early 80s, where we all knew our dads. They were around, but we didn't know them. The old saying was, you know, dad's, a, is dad's on the couch. Is he asleep or is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of a passive fathering. And we all kind of vowed, like, we're going to be, we're going to step it up and be progressive fathers are more involved. And then, and that's driven me because I've dealt with a lot of fatherless sons and daughters. And as I was saying a minute ago, Dave, you can be married for six years, 16 years or whatever, but you're a dad for life. Yes. And kids, you know, is it psychologist? I got kids from age seven to 80 plus who still talk about their dads like you and I are right here. And one that I want to drive home today is I always say it's never too early to get involved in your kid's life yeah. and go, well, my kids are 18. They don't need me. Nah, wrong. It's like a mountain road. You have to, have to drive it differently. Mm -hmm. Your children will always want your emotional involvement. May not see you all the time, but they need to have your emotional involvement. Mm -hmm. And that's driven me to wrote father, your son, which is about essentially when the mother of your children is pregnant, how you start there. And boys want to know their dads are there. Yeah. We, kids, um, research says as a psychologist, I hear all this stuff about how boys struggle in divorce. It's not so much the boys struggle. We need the same parent, same sex identification. So many times in a divorce, the daughter is with the mom. And that feels like it kind of solidifies her. And a lot of boys feel like not only do they, they don't see their dad, but they feel like they lose him. Mm -hmm. And I tell dads, you're in a custody battle, you're in a fight, or, you know, you, things are difficult, you're not seeing your kids all the time. You can still connect your, your son and daughter emotionally, wherever you are and whatever you can do. Mm -hmm. That's my first point. Another one, Dave, is present day here with all the guys at home and the stress and maybe sometimes getting tired of your children or getting overwhelmed with them. Mm -hmm. Just remember, it's time limited. It's all time limited. And they're only six or seven once. Yeah. And a bad moment isn't a bad life. And I tell dads, take a deep breath. Think about what you wanted from your dad and give that to your kids. Three big things, David, guys want from their dads. Love, acceptance, and understanding. Love meaning we can be different, but I still love you. Acceptance is it you've got my back, Dad. And understanding is that as a son, sometimes we're a piece of work or a pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, we're all edgy. We do stuff. But like our dad is that wise soul that says, come on, you got this. You can get through that.
Those three ingredients, David, that makes your son a stand-up guy in life. We don't need to worry about him with drugs or gangs or guns because when you've got that, there's a sense of um, stability that we install in our sons. As I say, you don't buy a house without a thermostat. Can't send our boys into the world without that confidence that they're loved, accepted, and understood. Mm. Now, moms can give that, but that's from the female side. Yeah, it's hard to understand masculinity, David, through the eyes of a woman. Yeah, I do it through the eyes of a dad. A lot of guys will say to me, "Well, my my dad wasn't around when I was growing up." I go, "Okay, that's not a that's not a um, a, a showstopper." You can learn how to do it. Look what you're doing. I don't know your background, David. You're you're in the game. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my father was one of those blue collar workers who you know, he he worked his butt off. He was a good provider. He was a good protector. Yeah. You know, he did everything he needed to do. You know, um, did he, was he perfect? Absolutely not. You know, there's no such thing as perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah. You know, he even in the times that. He didn't engage, you know, whether it be he was tired from leaving it all at work. Yeah. Or just wanted his escape because he was having some kind of issue that he was dealing with in his head emotionally, you know. Mm-hmm. He still was a father. And yeah. he did the best he could. And I had another guest on the show who said that your father could only give you what he had. You know, he it, in other words, mm. he could not yeah. give you what he didn't have inside you, I guess is a better way to put it. Yeah. And uh, I love that. And I see that. And that helped me get over some of the issues I had with my father. You know, it just get it early. David, one of the things I've heard, and I know this firsthand, is that the day a son forgives his father mm. is the day that son enters adulthood. Mm. Has nothing to do with age. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> The day we forgive our fathers, David, is the day you and I step into adulthood. Wow. And I get chills saying that. I know it's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And I say, you want to give a gift to somebody? Call them up and tell them what you just said your uh, guest said. I know you gave me everything you had, Dad. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm grateful you did. It got me here. That's amazing that you said that. I was talking the other day about rites of passage. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Aborigines have their, their rites of passage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Uh, the Native Americans here yes. have a rite of passage called the Evergreen that they go through, you know, uh, you know, Jewish belief, you know what I mean? They have the bar. Yeah. And I like what you said. This, this is kind of a rite of passage. Yes. Now, which is to step into adulthood, you have to forgive your fathers the day you forgive your fathers. So that's, that's in retrospect, that's kind of a, uh, a rite of passage. Yes. Day, you know? Absolutely. Dave. And men that do that mm-hmm. embrace parts of themselves that's, that are buried. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they talk about the three horses all men need to ride. There's the red horse, the wild man. Then there's the civilized guy on the white horse, the knight in shiny armor. And then there's the man on the black horse, the black knight. He's the wise one. And part of forgiving our fathers, first of all, it allows you and I, David, to attach to our sons Mm -hmm. and our daughters cleanly. Mm -hmm. It clears that connection. 
whether we're a blue collar, white collar, whatever we are, one thing about dads, playing field's level. Hmm. I've got guys that have more money than God. We start talking about their children. It's all equal. We're all in the same playing field. Hmm. No one's above the other one. Hmm. And I tell dads, don't let money in. No, don't buy into that myth. Huh. We're all in the same playing field. Because I want the best for my, your kids. You want the best for my kids. Okay, where, where's the conflict? Yeah. There isn't. There isn't one. Yeah. I right. And I tell dads that illusion that because of status or not, there's differences. No, they're not. Nobody wants their teenage son to be reckless. No. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And part of civilizing our sons is we have to forgive our fathers first. Mm-hmm. If you can't forgive your dad, fatherhood is going to be hell. Because that resentment is going to come right into your kids, like DNA. Everyone's worried about uh, passing the virus on. I'm always, I tell guys, I'm more worried about you passing on hatred. Wow. Mm, Wow, that's deep, man. Man. And one thing I learned when I was a policeman for eight years in my other life, Uh I saw these gang bangers. They had one thing in common. Uh Absent dads. Hmm. Absent dads. Let me tell you, when a dad, when a father's involved in a son's life, he probably isn't killing other boys or other men. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And this has nothing to do with race, creed, or color. It has to do with you and I as dads being involved. Hmm. It really does. And that's pushing me to write the books, the father factor, father your son, and the different things about Men, you being involved in your son's life really gives him a hall pass to a good future. Hmm. I recently heard it said that as fathers, our job isn't to make our children happy, okay? Mm-hmm. But it is to create an atmosphere for that happiness to be able to grow. Grow, exactly. See, it, that? that feeds into the other thing I was going to say about discipline. How do we rate every boy? needs boundaries as does horses and dogs and mm-hmm. boys with boundaries feel safer in life they just feel safer and that allows happiness to grow hope a vision with no boundaries a son doesn't know who's my backstop mm-hmm. like does anybody really notice me and that and that i see that with a lot of teenagers the guys get in a lot of trouble they feel like they're not noticed and they create a crisis you know, or they're really mad at other, ultimately they're mad at them. They feel like they're bad because their dad didn't love them. Because the first man you and I ever loved, David, was our father. Yeah. First man. Some guys, I never met my dad. You did meet him. You just never met him in person because your mother talked about him. <laughs> he was there in the house, you know, as a character or, you know, it could have been a deadbeat dad. If you're a deadbeat dad, okay, own it. Forgive yourself. It's never too early to get involved. I'm going to say that 25 different ways. You know, I have guys that haven't talked to their kids for years, and I say, come on, are you kidding me? you got to pick up the phone and call them. The movie Home Alone, the whole theme of that movie, the director was about him and his father's relationship, how they never spoke, how it comes at the end of the movie where it'd been years, he's afraid his son won't talk to him. You know, every, every father wants to talk to his son, and every son wants to talk to his father. 
Mm. And I'm talking about guys, you're when you're you're in your 30s and your your dad's in his 60s or 70s. Feels like you guys grew apart. Call him. He's got a lot of wisdom there. Hmm. A lot of wisdom. Absolutely. No, I agree. lot lot buried there. The third point, David, to the degree you and I forgive our dads, it makes room for us to have a partner in our life. Hmm. It's hard to have bob wire fence around you and let someone in. And it really calms us down. And I know there's a lot of guys that are out of work right now and it's scared. And I appreciate that. And your kids need you there and they need you to ride this out with them. Hmm. You know, and that's staying present, staying emotional. And also, if you are married, working, working things out with mom because boys are watching you. Like, how do you resolve stuff? It's not about being perfect, but how do you just how do you do it? You know, and boundaries. I get to ask question all the time. What do boys want most from their dads? Boundaries. Girls want a relationship. Boys want boundaries first. Who's the boss? And does he mean what he says? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he's a dictator. Just like who's like who's the top dog in the house? It sounds odd, David, but I'm telling you, it works the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Winston Churchill said, uh, we won this war because a couple leaders got together and took responsibility for it. And as dads, we want our sons to move into like adulthood and have a great life and our grandchildren. It starts with you and I forgiving our dads. That allows our sons to learn love, acceptance, and understanding. Because those three, tell me what relationship doesn't need those. Yeah, every relationship needs that, that glue. Uh, I like that you said that love, acceptance, and understanding. That's kind of like a, your foundation, I guess. Maybe. It really is. You know, it, it, if you and I don't forgive our dads, mm-hmm. we're going to keep coming back to the same cave, staring at it until we do. And once we do, our sons will feel the difference. Our daughters will feel the difference. Our wife, our girlfriend mm-hmm. will feel the difference. And most importantly, we are going to feel the difference. What are the questions I wanted to ask? Steve? Yeah. Okay. We're talking about fatherlessness and all this stuff. And, you know, that's the whole process of this, uh, of this podcast, right? Um, yes. What do you think is the number one cause of fatherlessness? Why? What hinders a father from stepping up? What do you see? It's a great question. I deal with it. My practice every, all the time. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I think it's guys that don't want to be a dad who are in that role. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what they can't, they don't realize what they can give but more importantly, what it's going to do to them. And being a father role model or a father factor doesn't mean it's always biological. Yeah. Some of the best coaches in life are the best fathers to all their players or in the Marines or wherever it may be at work. Mm -hmm. A good supervisor 
regardless of age, empowers people. And a lot of guys that don't want to, it's like they're scared because they didn't get it and they don't think they can give it. And I'm saying you can, it's in you. It's in you to give. So you that think ex- fear that they yes. have of failure? Fear of failure? Fear they're not enough. I want to go with quote shame. They're not good enough. I, I sort of got, David, I hear that. That's why I wrote that book, The Shame Factor. Mm-hmm. Guys think they're not good enough. I'm like, no, but you are. Yeah, but blah, blah, blah. My wife says I'm a derelict. Okay, probably are, but that doesn't mean you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you can grow and be a better presence in your kid's life. But I really believe it's because guys don't think they're good enough. Hmm. Now, let's take that even deeper. Do you yeah. think it's because their father didn't give them an attaboy and say, look, son, you got this. You got this. Do you think that's where that spawns from? Or Yes, hands down. Hands down? Okay. I have a client, worked for his dad for years. His dad just passed away. And he's in his late 60s. He's still in his late 60s looking for his father's approval. Mm. He never got it. Never got it. And he feels like a failure in the world because he he's never taken a challenge or a step. David, giving your son the big three, love, acceptance, understanding, is I don't need to do it for you because I know you can do it. Yeah. That, boys love the sense of mastery. That's a game changer. Hmm. Boys want to feel like they can master, whether it be um, Legos, picking themselves off the ground, playing baseball, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, falling off their bike. Come on, let's get back up. You got, let's do this. Boys, when they feel like they can master it, they take that courage with them into the next phase of their life. It's all about courage. And guys that don't want to be a dad never got that doesn't mean they can't do it, mm-hmm. but that's why they walk because they're still looking for it. Wow. And I get to, I have to watch my, I got to like put a gag order because I, I want to say, listen, dude, come on, don't abandon your children. Yeah, I pay for everything. Okay. That's, I love that. But now they want more emotionally. Mm-hmm. I tell guys, your best commodity is your emotional money. Don't sell yourself short, short just because you give finance. I'm not saying finances are important, but you're, the greatest gift you can give is your emotional support because that transcends time, place, and in person. Mm-hmm. That's in, you can't buy that. You can buy camp. You can buy books, trips, ski trips, all that good stuff, David, but you can't buy emotional support. I find that interesting that you say that because uh, that's what I was trying to do in my in my life. You know, I was uh, on the road. I, you know, I'm a tradesman. I'm a journeyman lineman, building power lines and stuff. And uh, I knew I was doing wrong, but I had to support my family. I got caught up in that role. I need to provide. And the yes. only work that I had was out of state. So guess what? I tell my wife, deal with it. You know, I left her here with three children. Mm, and yeah she, she dealt with that until she couldn't take it anymore and she wound up actually getting sick you know she came up with a chronic illness uh she got she got lyme disease okay and uh, she got really sick and mm. i had to come home and when i came home that's when i started to go through this process of seeing how much damage my absence was creating in the house because i was clueless like you just said I was trying to buy 
my absence with them. I was buying them stuff. And I thought that that was going to take the, take the place of my absence. And it doesn't. I mean, I saw my second son uh, not being confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, having behavioral issues. My daughter was estranged to me. She was mm. teenage years. And, and my baby, you know, the little boy, I'm fortunate now that I've been able to be home, but he's completely different, you know, compared to I love it. other two. And that's just my presence now that I've been home for two years. Okay. So I'm in the process of, like you said, it's never too late to rebuild yep. that relationship that was lost because of my ignorance, I should say. You know, because I bought into leaving that myth. You know, yeah. So. Joe, David, good for you. God bless you that you got that. That's why I tell dads, you know, I deal with a lot of divorced dads and they're very sad, but I'm telling you, there's a way to stay connected to your children, even though you don't see them every day. Mm -hmm. And that is the gold. Your emotional connection. That's untouchable. Mm -hmm. And David, you, you should send your little guy. You know, I've got a son and, you know, I may not see him all the time. He's older. He's 24. Uh, but he knows, you know, I know hell or high water. If there's a problem, I'm going to hear about it. Like he, we're going to figure this out, get involved and take care of business. So boys need just know they got a backup hmm. courage to go out in the world. Like you can do this. Hmm. And, so, and daughters having their dad's presence, then they're not looking for their dad and every guy they date. I know. And they're, I mean, we know the numbers. It's not good. Mm -hmm. An absence dad does not, doesn't leave his daughter leaves her in a very vulnerable place in life. Yeah. Cause she's looking for her dad and these derelict guys. I'm serious. The father of the sons too. And they don't, you know, they don't mean to exploit the girl. They do, but as fathers, your daughter feels loved. She doesn't need to settle that issue yeah. with a, you know, she's 17 and she's dating a 28 year old, which is brutal mm -hmm. for both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen that plenty of times, and I'm just like, thank God I'm not in that situation because I don't know how I would handle that. You know what I mean? I would. Yeah, <laughs> it's know. rough. It's rough. I as much as we know it, I, you know, I got you know out here in the West, a lot of people, dads are still absent. But I always say, your kids got to find a way to get you involved. Mm -hmm. Got to wake up to the just hear the alarm when he sounds. Because boys will find a way to get your attention. Yeah. Failing, DUI, get arrested, kicked out of college, get a girl pregnant. They'll get it. They'll get you involved. Mm -hmm. And when they do, get involved. You know, don't shame them. Look at your role in this. You know, you're not taking responsibility away, but I tell dads, look at your role in this. Mm -hmm. You have a role. You know. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's funny you said that because today I had a conversation with my sister, Audrey. Yeah. And, uh, we're discussing, you know, about discipline. Okay. Mm -hmm. And her thoughts were on it. If your kids are disrespecting you, they're 16 and 17 years old, then you need to give them a slap upside their head. Okay. That's kind of the way we were raised up. You know what I mean? 
yeah. To this day, my father is the only man I've ever feared and respected. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So with her saying that, I was I, I disagreed. I was like, you know, it's past the point of past the point, mm-hmm. past the point of age. You shouldn't yeah. be having to do that. I mean, if you're having to discipline them harshly that way, then you fail to do it when they're little. It's much easier to discipline a child and spank them when they're three years old or however age, you know what yep. I mean? Than when they're 17 and 220 pounds and are going to put you through a wall. Yep. Yeah. If you know that, David, because your 17 year old has a bad attitude, having good boundaries with him, you don't get hooked in. Mm. it's okay but he knows where the line is i have some guys that hit their mothers wow but they've been doing it since age five or six and no one ever stopped them mm. I had a kid in my office this year got up he's as if he was gonna hit his mother i pushed him back on the couch like i was blocking a defensive lineman like dude you're not doing that in this house you know one ever sat him down Hmm. dad was pat he would hit his mother i'm like why how does this like how does this end well it doesn't yeah exactly but you know david boys have when they have limits you don't need to your sister said smack them upside the head no you don't need to do that hmm. you know they, they can be moody you know maybe sarcastic answer you got to pick and choose your battles yeah got to pick and choose your battles and sometimes they're hormonal and they're moody Okay, we pick and choose them. They show up to Christmas. They take care of business. Let's think about what's important. Hmm. You know, I tell parents, look at the big picture. Don't get stuck in the weeds. Hmm. They're not doing drugs. They're coming home, doing good stuff, uh, taking care of business. They got, that's what matters. Hmm. That's because discipline means to teach. Yeah. In the Greek word, discipline is to teach. Not to punish. I mean, there's consequences. You know, I got some parents saying, well, my kid's not doing his homework. Well, the school's going to crack down on him when he has to go to summer school. That's a consequence. That's a natural occurring. That works. Or you take their car away. Or by the worst, you take their phone away. That gets their attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boys do better with consequences because then they got to live with it. Hmm. Boys do very well with consequences. They're like, yeah, my dad will kill me. When I hear our son say that, okay, that's good. I'm a kid, yeah, what happened if like, you ever got a DUI? Uh-huh. My dad killed me. Yeah. Not literally, but that that's boundaries. Yeah. You know, he won't drink and drive or smoke and drive. Mm. What do you say? I have a friend. Okay. Yeah. And his theory, now that you're talking about drinking and driving, okay, his theory was he'd rather have his children drink around him than go and do something stupid as going and drinking and driving. Okay. I, I don't I don't agree with that just because mm-hmm. my father didn't drink in front of me and I don't, you know, I don't drink. You know, I was an alcoholic yeah. and stuff like that. I suffered post-traumatic stress disorder and everything else but i you know that's a long that's another story but yeah uh, yeah i don't drink you know Mm -hmm. and it was one of those wake up moments that my wife pushed on me she told me i don't want to bug you 
but are you going to be okay with your daughter smelling the smell on you of being, you know, of drinking and being drunk and seeing you passing out? Are you going to be with her okay looking for that and thinking that's okay in another man? If you're okay with that, I will never bother you again. And once she said that, I totally changed my tune. I stopped drinking cold turkey, you know, but it wasn't good for you, David. You know, David, I couldn't agree with you more. I absolutely. Yeah. I don't want my kids to see me face down drunk in the front lawn. Mm -hmm. It's not a good look. Where do we have to go? Okay. We're telling them that's okay. When parents tell me, I rather have my kids drink at home to get in trouble. I'm not worried about my son getting in trouble because he knows he's not going to drink and drive because that that's the last of his car. He can walk and drink after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, when there's natural occurring consequences, drinking and driving, boys know if it's absolutely non-negotiable, they don't drink and drive. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to get in trouble, it's because they don't, you and I haven't done our job at home. Okay. My son, I know he drank in high school. He didn't get in trouble because he knew there'd be consequences. Lose his car, not be able to go out. He didn't want that. He knew he'd stay over his buddies. We knew where he was. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to do is teach our boys how to be responsible, not control them, Mm -hmm. teaching them responsibility. And start with you, Dave, what you did, you stopped drinking. That's being very responsible. Mm -hmm. And your daughter and, you know, and that's the kind of stuff boys need. Mm-hmm. Not that girls don't, but boys, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, when they're you know full of testosterone, they need that. Huh. That responsibility. Yeah, I like that you said that. Um, one of the things that I learned recently was when your children do something that you don't mm-hmm. agree with, right? Yeah. One of the questions to ask is, where do they learn that from? Okay, mm-hmm. be honest with yourself. And the second question is that your child will only do what you allow them to do. So that that totally correlates with you talking about boundaries. Yep. And, and I'll right like- on, David. Yeah, because what you just said, my son toward the end of college, you know, this last year, it was a little bumpy. He wasn't sure if he was going to make it. Our deal was I'm paying for four years in a day, <laughs> not four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Guess who got it done on time? Cause he knew the next semester was on him, student loans, all that. Mm-hmm. That's boundaries. And that's teaching our boys. My roles, I committed to you for four years, not four and a half, not five. When we're clear with our kids, they operate better within that framework. Mm-hmm. Same with my daughter, too. To your point, being very responsible. How do you tie that in with, say, you said boys, right? They like to have boundaries. Okay. What yeah. in the, on the opposite spectrum, what about daughters? What do you suggest for that? Daughters want to know that you... Daughters want a relationship with you. They want to know, do you adore them? Do you care about them? Do you know them? Then, secondly, boundaries. Mm. Boys, boundaries first, relationship second. 
girls, the relationship with my daughter was more important than boundaries. She wanted to know, would I go have lunch with her? Would I go shopping with her? Would I hang out with her? The answer was yes, yes, and yes. Girls want a relationship with their dads because they get to bounce stuff off you. They get a, a sense of what masculinity is. What's it like to be around a man? Then secondly is boundaries. But if the relationship breeds boundaries. Where boys, boundaries breeds a relationship. You got them inverted. I, I'm quoting all the great masters on this one. You yeah. Have a relationship with your daughter. She's good to go. She won't be getting pregnant at, at 17. She'll be doing, she'll do what you and your wife or mother want them to do. Having a, uh, a life that develops and you know, without a lot of hiccups or speed bumps. Hmm. I like that relationship first. Hmm. See, and a lot of fathers try to do their parenting the same way they do with their sons. Or even, I'll take it a step further, what works for one son, they'll try to do that for the rest of their kids. Or it works for their daughter, yeah. they'll try to do that for the rest of their kids. And everybody's individual. We're, yeah. we're all different. You know what I mean? So Absolutely, David. Do you know Yeah, what works for one, 80% might work for the second, but that 20% difference is what's going to make the difference. Hmm. You know? Like, you know, a daughter is wearing something really suggestive and over-sexualized. Um, dad's got to say something. Well, all the girls were doing da, 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 da. Hey, it's where you say, honey, I love you and care about you. But I, you don't need to wear a burlap bag, but you don't need to wear, like, a bikini to the mall, metaphorically, you know? Yeah. Because if we don't speak up, who will? Yeah, exactly. The other thing is, I tell – I went in my practice in their 50s where the dad used to call them, you're dressed, you're dressed like a whore. You're dressed like a prostitute. And it's like, oh, my God. And then because your daughter is pretty doesn't mean something bad's going to happen because she's got a relationship with you. And that, that instills boundaries, instills knowledge, wisdom. And the big three, love, acceptance, understanding. Mm -hmm. She's got that. She's going to do a lot better who she spends her time with. Wow. Yeah, it's heavy. I got to tell you, as we're talking right now, I'm thinking about my kids. I have them listen to this podcast and they go, oh, yeah, really? Um, <laughs> you know, but Jay, the other thing is when daughters, you ask them about themselves, they're going to follow you around. They're going to listen. How was your day? What's going on? You know, what, you know, their social media, whatever that stuff is. They can get really moody and dismissive. Okay. It doesn't need to be a fight. Mm -hmm. Just make room for it. It's interesting that you said that. Uh, one of the things I had, I, or I actually spoke about the other day was about communications. I had yeah. an ex-hostage negotiator on our podcast, okay? And he was talking about how he uses verbal judo and stuff like that, especially with his teenage sons. One of the things he said was he uses open-ended questions. Yeah. That way they can't, yeah, yeah, you did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've been implementing that just with my daughter in general. And man, it actually really, really works. I, oh my God. I mean, yeah. 
I, David, I always ask, so what do you think this might look like? Open-ended questions are brilliant because that gets them to engage. Or you just tell, do you not, you don't want to talk right now? No. Okay, we'll talk later. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to read the client and you come back another time and talk. Because we're ready to talk doesn't mean they're ready. Yeah, and that's where I suffer sometimes because <laughs> You know, as men, we're problem solvers, right? So yeah. You want to talk about it now, and that even goes even further. Even yeah. My wife, you know what I mean? I want to talk about this now, you know, and they're like, no, I don't want to talk about this. And, you know, I deal with the same issues with my daughter, you know what I mean? She's like, dad, I don't want to talk about this. And I'm like, okay, well, when you're ready, you know, I've learned to recognize that, right? Yep. So now I'm like, okay, when you're ready, I'll be in here. Combined. Yep. Absolutely. I tell dads, be patient. It always comes around because we're ready to talk. Doesn't mean they're ready. Mm-hmm. Now we need to be ready when they show up, which we are, you know, and it goes a long ways, David. Now, with that being said, Steve, I learned recently that from the age zero to six, mm-hmm. 98% of that is influencing okay and to mm-hmm. control with our children right and then from 7 to 30 they find their peers more stimulating and they want to kind of go with social media what social media talks about like that so you know what i mean they yeah what do you think about that i think it's about 50 percent accurate okay zero to seven they want to know they want to know that you're their, you're their oxygen tank. Okay. Without you, they're not going to breathe well in life. Mm. They're not going to develop. Without you, it's not going to happen. Seven to 12, they're start, starting to launch. 12 to 18, they're trying to launch. 18 to 30, you kind of stand on the sidelines like a spectator. Mm-hmm. When they need your help, they come off the field of life and talk to you. Mm-hmm. But they always need your involvement, your presence. And even though people talk about social media and whatnot, sometimes that's like eating junk food. It may fill you up for a little bit, but knowing that there's someone watching you and cares about you will override any of the other stuff going on in their life. They've got that confidence and that backstop. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs that backstop. Kids go to college, you still check in with them. You'll hear if things are not going. When they get out of college, they need your support. You're still involved, but you're watching them mm-hmm. go forward. You're not driving the car for them. They're driving it. But your job as a dad is never obsolete. It just keeps evolving through the lifeline. Oh, I like that. Uh- never obsolete. Never obsolete, always in the fight, I should say, right? Yep. You may have a woman, she's 45, her dad's 80, mm-hmm. and said to her recently, you need to get remarried. I've been dating this guy for years. You need to marry him. I go, how'd that feel? She goes, I felt like I was 15. Was he right? Oh, yeah. Her, her dad in his late 70s said, hey, come on, honey. You need to kind of grow up here and you know get it going. Mm-hmm. And she really appreciated it. But he, he's the only one that could say it to her. Yeah. Yeah, your job as a dad is never outdated, 
it's not going to be replaced. It doesn't matter how much technology we have. There's no substitution for relationships. Uh-huh. That's what feeds our souls, our emotions, our spiritual side, emotional side is relationships in real time. Real time. Yeah. Do you think that because a father was present, because, you know, let's, let's say a prime example of that 40, 45 year old or, you know, yeah. Know. Okay. Let's talk about that. So she wanted to hear that from her father. So that to me, that means that he had a, a presence in her life. So Correct. He, he had influence. Now yep. I heard John Maxwell talk about how influence is leadership. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are as fathers. We're leaders of our home. Right. First and foremost. So with that being said, in order to have that influence, you got to be there. You know, you know, and you have to be there emotionally. Yes. Not just physically. Presence of mind and presence of energy is huge. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, big one. Being there. And listen, there's a lot of dads who might hear this. They don't see their kids enough. And I say, it's nothing's lost. You can be there for your kids emotionally. Vis-a-vis all the different platforms there are in life now to reach them. Mm-hmm. And you find a way to keep your foot in the door, to see them, be with them, connect with them. Mm-hmm. There's always a way. And by the way, I, I tell dads, I, this one gets me going, David. Dads say, my kids never call me. I'm like, well, that's not their responsibility. You're the parent. You want to talk to your son? Call him. Call him. You want to talk to your daughter? Call her. Hmm. I swear, I got, literally have a client, he's 42. His mother just railed on him because he didn't call her on Thanksgiving Day. They texted. Mm-hmm. I go, you got to tell your, he called, I go, mom, you're the parent, right? Yes. Why don't you call me? Wow. Kids are not, boys don't need to take care of their dads. We need to take care of our sons because if we take care of our sons, they're going to take care of their world. And that's gold. That's a legacy. That's a legacy. I like that. I, I that really- is legacy. I always say to dad, you know, the father factor legacy is mm-hmm. what do we do outside the house? Starts with, are we present? Mm-hmm. And that helps them that legacy to go out in the world and make a better world. Mm-hmm. Steven, I wanted to ask you something because you're touching base on that legacy, right? Yes. Um, recently, I had a younger brother who passed away. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, he was my baby brother. He was 38 years old. Okay. On the outside, he looked perfectly fine. He was in good shape. He was a journeyman mm. lineman. Uh, he was riding his bike 25 miles a day. I mean, just, just, it's probably one of the strongest men I've ever met in my life. Okay. Yeah. So on the outside, everything looked good, but internally he had heart disease. Now, whether that was spawned from his drinking or tobacco or whatever, yeah. you know, we don't know. Okay. could have been victim of circumstances. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Right? Yeah. So to make a long story short, he was hunting. He passed away while he was pulling off this big elk. Okay. He overexerted himself and his heart literally just exploded his chest. Okay. Well, he left three daughters, the youngest being two. Okay. Now he lived by my parents about a mile away. 
They live in a rural area in northern New Mexico. Beautiful area. Okay. We have a lot of property yeah. and we have farms. Okay. With yeah. that being said, when his passing happened, my father basically just, I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong when I say this. Okay. A, a parent should never have to bury their, their children. Okay. Ever. Oh, but what absolutely said my brother had already been given the torch up there. So my dad kind of checked out my, my brother was taking care of my parents. Mm. Okay? He took care of everything. They didn't have to worry about anything. He chopped the wood. He fixed the fences. He ran the tractors. He greased. I mean, he did everything up there that is, you know, yeah. has to go with that type of lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. With that being said, when he, when he passed away, my father pretty much lost his inclination to, to live because he had already passed that torch to my brother. So I mm. had to help him to refigure his purpose. Cause I think that's what happens a lot of times to tie this back in what we're talking about. I yeah. No, no. Fathers yeah. Their sense of purpose. Yeah. It, David spot on. Dads are not, your job is never obsolete. Mm -hmm. Your dad's grief, it could kill him, mm -hmm. literally and symbolically. And by you, David, you being a father to your dad to get him reengaged, because those three little girls, grandpa can make a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. He could pay a lot of emotional bills. He's not their dad, but let me tell you, it's going to go a long ways, and they're grieving. Mm. It's going to help, really help those three little girls. God bless them, too. Yeah. And Dave, what you did to your dad, did for your dad, excuse me, did for your dad, absolutely. That's you being a dad. Come on. Yeah. Come on, dad. Come on. We got to get, we, we get in front of this. We got a crisis. We, this no, we can't check out. Exactly. And that's one of the things I told him. I'm like, dad, now you have a purpose. These three little girls are going to need you more than ever, you know, right on. And someone would want it, you know? Yeah. And you know, nobody, I'm with you, Dave. No parent wants to bury a child. Oh, that comes. Yeah. God bless the whole family. Mm -hmm. Page two as a dad, David, you're doing the work, helping your dad. That's the work. Mm -hmm. If you focus on helping your dad to get involved, you, you're you're helping the legacy keep grow growing for those little girls. And just to, to go back a little bit, what you're saying about legacy, one of the scriptures, because I, I, I'm a believer. I, I have a, yeah. a faith. OK, I'm not religious by any means, but I do have faith in Jesus Christ. And with that being said, one of the scriptures that I hold on to dearly is Malachi 4, 6 through 7, which talks about turning the father's hearts back to their sons and the son's hearts back to their fathers. Now, with that being said, we talked about how it's the parent or the father responsibility to call, right? So just like in that scripture, it starts off with that process. The fathers turning their hearts towards their sons or daughters. So it yep. does, it starts with us. It's even biblically right there where it starts where the father, the, 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 the patriarch or matriarch, if you're yep. a mother, you know, it starts with them and you are never out of that fight. You are always a father until you go home to be with whatever. Lord. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I think that's David awesome. spot on. 
Couldn't agree with you more. The father, the other thing is, I say this, our first experience of the divine mm-hmm. is many times how we experience our father. Yeah. And that's why I start off with a dad that forgives his dad on some level is telling the kids that God's a forgiving God and that it's not punitive. Mm. It's by grace. It's by love, acceptance, understanding. If that doesn't, there's no world religion that doesn't embrace that. Yeah. And as dads, that's in this life, being a part of the, the father factor is like you did. The, the father's turn to the son. The son turns to the father like you did for your dad. It's absolutely fantastic. I love that quote. Love that scripture. Thank you. It's great stuff. Hey, David, I know we've got to go here. And I want to say to dads, pick up the phone and call your kids. Hmm. You'll they'll always be glad to hear from you. I don't care what they say. Deep down in their heart, they want to hear from you. They want to know they matter to you. Hmm. I like that. Let me ask you one question, Steve. Sure. I mean, you're highly successful in what you do. I mean, you've been working on this for what is one couple lifetimes. Yeah, a couple lifetimes. lifetimes. Yeah. I know you're a father. What can you tell our listeners that you've struggled with that was hard for you to overcome? And how did you overcome it? I think the whole thing I start off with realizing that your role in their life is more important than you'll ever know. And I got divorced early on and it, it was traumatic. We're here now. And I remind dads that you matter. Don't let circumstances or custody arrangements tell you otherwise. You matter. And if I had to say to my 10, 10 years ago to myself, I'd say it's going to work out. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep plowing the field. Keep planting seeds. Investing your kids will always reap dividends. Mm. Always reap dividends. I tell them, keep going. Do not give up on it. I'd say that to my younger self and to my older self. And I meet men like you, Dave. It's a pleasure. You're doing it, man. You're getting other, other fathers going. And that's how we make a difference. That's the next level. Yes. I always tell, you know, my fathers when I talk to them that, you know, as fathers, we chase after success, whether it be success in the workplace, you know, an attaboy, yeah. whatever, right? We're chasing success. Yep. Well, why don't we stop chasing success and why don't we try to live a life of significance? And significance starts by leaving a legacy like you talked about. Right on. David, you and I are on the same page because success is relationships. Mm. It's not your bank account. I've got guys that have huge bank accounts and their kids don't like them. Hmm. Wealthiest man when he died in this country is John D. Rockefeller. And he has a quote. His kids didn't come to his funeral. Hmm. And toward the end of his life, he realized he was not a good dad. And gentlemen, your value far exceeds your net worth. Don't get caught in that trap. David, you, we know better. We yeah. know better. And Rockefeller, these guys are before us. There's a reason why their legacy is alive, to learn from it, mm-hmm. to learn from it. 
And David, yeah, love, acceptance, understanding, that legacy will never go away. Mm. That's everlasting. Hmm. I like that you said that and you ended up with that. Steve, can you uh, tell our audience how they can get a hold of you? And if you have any more books that are coming out, I'd like yeah. to share with them. Uh, you know, my website is Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-A-N, Polter, P-O-U-L-T-E-R.com. I've got all the books are there. You can buy them online. Mm -hmm. And I'd be glad to do talk to people on the phone, you know, consul, uh, consultations, help dads navigate these times. Because you always think, what's your legacy to your kids? Mm -hmm. And you always say, okay, here we go. David, I tell dads, think about what your son's going to say at your funeral. Hmm. Go there and back up. <laughs> I like that. Go there and back up. I want my son to say he loved me to the end of the world. Everything else is trivial. Hmm. I like that. All right. Go there. Go to that funeral. What's he going to say? And boy, if that doesn't move you, yeah. ask God to help you because it, it will move you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. That's amazing that you said that. I have to, I have to write that down, brother. Yeah, David, hey, post my thing. I, listen, I'm except Steve Poulter. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Talk to anybody. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a part of your program. David, you're a good man. Well, thank you, Steve. And I appreciate you being on here and just educating our fathers, our listeners on here and just bringing them encouragement because that's what this whole podcast is about is just letting them know that, yeah. hey, you're not out of the fight. You know? No. Oh, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. And <laughs> you're in it, man. Persistence. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Persistence wins. Exactly. And I tell you, when I think about the funeral, that has stopped me cold my track several times. <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got me thinking now. I'm like, oh, God, I got to go back to the drawing board now. Yep. You know? Yep. When in doubt, forgive, love, and accept. You're good. Exactly. David, happy holidays, and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and all that you do. Oh, man. Feelings mutual, man. Thank you. Bye. All right, brother.